This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area, and today is a special episode. It's a special episode because of my special guest, but it's also special because it is the season two finale, and today I asked a special, beautiful woman to join me. So I can learn about her life, her upbringing, what she's doing in the world. And, you know, for people around the world to know how powerful this girl is. Um, Rosie, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was very sweet. That was a very sweet introduction. I really appreciate that. (laughs) So tell me, you had a hectic day, correct? Yeah, I was a little... out of the ordinary. Explain. <laughs> why I'm like, why are you putting me on the spot like that? I um, mean, well, yeah. Well, we're, we're, let's talk about your your day, and then we'll we'll, okay, get, yeah, we'll yeah. get into everything. Else. Today was a hectic day because I woke up and my car got broken into. I mean, mm. yeah, it was not. A, I'm. <laughs> I have an eight year old daughter. Um, we walk up to the car and she's like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. Like the window is smashed. There's glass all over the ground. And she was like, I've never seen this before. I'm going to tell everybody at school. <laughs> like, I'm going to wow. tell everybody at school that this happened. And I'm like, oh, and the only thing they took was her backpack, which was in the back. She left it in the back seat um, of the car. And that's why they broke the window to get the back, you know, her backpack. But it was just watching her expression. She's like, oh, my God. It was. Yeah. It, she. It made me feel better about the situation. So that happened this morning. Then um, I had a meeting court, you know, now court is Zoom. So I was in the Zoom session with court and. Um, I'm looking out the window and I hear like, you know, when you hear the toe track, like beep, beep. <laughs> I'm looking outside like, oh my God, are they going to sell my car? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like in the middle of the court hearing. I'm like, I'm so sorry, judge. I have an emergency. So I put myself on mute, like mute the video, mute the audio and i literally run downstairs like please 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 don't do my car and they didn't put it on the truck yet so he was like yeah go ahead you could just move it i was like thank the lord right so i move it two blocks away into like a paid parking garage because i'm living i live in downtown oakland it's there's no parking at all so um I parked it into the garage and I literally run, I'm running the two blocks because I told the judge, like, I'll be back in five minutes. Um, so, yeah. And that was crazy. I'm literally out of breath, like <gasps> out of breath, getting back to, 
Yeah, I told what were you. What were you? Uh, you were in court on the phone. It was like Zoom. You know, it's COVID right now, so it's not like you're not in court in person. It's like. What were you in court for? What do you mean? This is personal. <laughs> <laughs> it was some violent shit. No, no, it's like. Um, so, you know, my, me and my, the father of my daughter aren't together. So we're in mediation trying to figure out the best way to co-parent. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a, uh, it's like a custody type thing. I mean, yeah, at the moment, yeah, I've, I've been, uh, fully taking care of my daughter for the last eight years by myself. So he just, mm-hmm. um, got reintegrated into her life recently. Mm. So it's been a little challenging. So yeah, say the least. As a single mother, it's kind of, it's challenging altogether, but to have someone be gone for so long and to come back, yeah. So we were in mediation trying to figure out, you know, the best plan, um, to set my daughter up for success, basically. But okay. I had a little hiccup. Today was, to say the least, challenging. Uh. <laughs> <Multiple>. <laughs> so, um, something else happened today. <laughs> what? Why are you trying to put me on blast? <laughs> I mean, this is, you're on an interview. So, it's about your life. Is it? Yes. Can we talk about the, my work? <laughs> yeah, we're going to get into your work. But something else happened, which was you went through a breakup. I mean, it's a, it's a, um, I don't know about breakup. I think we're just having a, uh, a moment. Mm. Like, a, uh, I think he's just going through a lot at the moment and taking it out on me, you know, okay. kind of a, And not, it wasn't a good day for his his, mm. uh, <laughs> his insecurities. So, what's he insecure about? I'm not sure, to be honest. Mm. I'm not insecure, so I don't understand when it comes to. I mean, I ha- I'm sympathetic. Like, mm-hmm. I, I try to have some understanding or put myself in other people's shoes when it comes to those type of issues, but. How long you guys I'm, been together? We've been dating three years plus. Three years. Yeah. We're on and off or just like straight up three years? Straight up three years. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it's time for a change. <laughs> you know you need to see what else is Are out there. Are you just saying that because you have personal <laughs> Of course. <laughs> you need to see what else is out there in the world, you know? I mean I do have a lot of um, people who are interested, to say the least. I, he's a pretty good guy, though. Rosie, speak. Put the mic in your. But yeah, he like is. That. He's a good guy. He's a very. I'm. I'm. It's hard to beat what he is. You well, know you guys I mean? been together for three years. Three years. You should be like. You should already know. Is this man I want to marry? Yeah, it's the man I want to marry, but I feel like he has his own issues that he has to deal with. Like everybody, everybody has their own issues. I'm a very powerful, strong, joyful, 
I, I come with a lot of like positive energy. Mm. So a lot of people are attracted, you know. To oh, yeah. That. And naturally. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> so uh, well, yeah. It's just a natural thing. For him, he's um he's going through a lot. He has a lot of issues, family issues right now that has him in a place that I'm you know, as a life coach, I'm trying to coach him out of, but I think because I'm his spouse, it's hard for him to take my teaching because I'm constantly coaching him. You know, like constantly like, oh, I I just wake up happy. I'm just a happy, naturally happy person. I mean, of course, I didn't naturally get to that place. It takes a lot of work to become a, you know, you have to want to be happy. You got to want it. There is a place of joy, you know, on the emotional scale. And it. You some people feel comfortable below joy, you know, like there's joy, and then I guess at the bottom would be fear, right? The opposite, and then there's in between, there's anger, anxiety, you know, all the emotions that come in between, right? Some people are okay being in, at that middle place, and other people. Myself, I'm more comfortable being at the happier joy side of the scale. Other people are happier, I mean, comfortable, right? And I think it has a lot to do with how you're raised, your parents, um, the environment that you grew up in, your friends, family, your influences, the things you, that's what um, teaches you emotions, especially at a young age. And, you know, what you're comfortable with. Do you want to, do you want that baggage of always having to bring your work home? I mean, when you're, you go to work, you do this for a living, blah, blah, blah. And then when you go home, you just want to relax. And so does that fuck up your relationship having to come home and still have to coach your goddamn partner? I don't think it's like. For me, it's not work. It's an it's a thing that comes naturally. Like I'm always trying to help people get to the next place, like or help them get to the place where they feel happiest. Mm. It's not like I have to work to try to coach him. I'm just to me, it's like I'm just trying to help you get to the next best place. What it and for me, I'm like. What is the next right move? I I play chess, you know, naturally as a queen. I'm like, that's my game of choice, you know? So I'm like, what's the next best move? Regardless of what you're doing or where it is, Mm -hmm. you always want to think about where you're at, what you want, who you are, and what's the next best move for where you're at and who you are. I think if people figured that out, and it really keeps it simple, you know? I think people complicate life and they don't know what they want and they just let life happen to them instead of strategically making the next right moves. You know what I mean? If everybody thought that way, 
they would have happier, more fulfilled lives. And I'm just really just trying to help them or give them the keys to their happiness. You know, a lot of people give their keys away. And I'm like, don't give your keys away. Keep them in your pocket. And the only way to do that is to strategically move through life, making the best possible next move. You know what I mean? All right. So you're talking about coaching. So let's get into what you do. What is what do you do? Currently, I own a preschool. I've over the pandemic, I wrote three books. I'm trying to publish, um, self-publish. And are, these, are these books or novels with like chapters and shit? They're books. They're like self-help books. I I wrote like a journal, like a planner type of thing with mm-hmm. like. Um, I work with the. I, I basically teach people about the laws of the universe. A lot of people are familiar with the law of attraction, but there's several laws in the universe. So I just basically educate people on the laws and how to use them to their advantage to get the life that they want. Just like the law of gravity, like no matter whether you believe in it or not, it still exists. Like if you're like, oh, I can fly. <laughs> you know? I mean, who the fuck doesn't believe in gravity? You got to be a, a I mean, stupid ass people, nigga. Like what? That's all. That's that's my point. That's all I'm saying. I, I put it down that simple, like make it that simple because everybody knows about the law of gravity, but people don't know about the law of polarity or the law of genders or, you know, there's multiple laws of the universe that people aren't aware of. And I just educate people on that and then really try to get a sense of what they're doing, who they are and where they want to be. And I try to bridge the gap between where they're at and where they want to be. Mm. Okay. So you own a preschool. How long have you owned the preschool? Four years now. And what was the process of owning a preschool? I mean, for me, it was really simple. I mean, I had a, I was working like 100 hours a week. I had a problem with my daughter's preschool so and I felt like I could do it better. Like if I can, I felt like if I could do it better, I should probably should be doing this. Mm-hmm. So I immediately became their competition. It took me three weeks to get my license. So you need a license to start a preschool. Um, to be a childcare provider, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, is this just something that you can just go to like the county and just buy or what? No, well, you have there's a couple classes you have to take. You have to take like a health and safety class, CPR and first aid. Mm. Um, they make you go through orientation so that you know all the rules and regulations around owning a child care. I was a nurse previously. Um, that's what I went to school for. So I was already, I had most of the things. So that's why it only took me three weeks to get my license. Um, and yeah, I was just really determined. I had an issue. I was like, this is fucked up. I'm pretty sure a lot of parents, especially single parents, run into those issues. And I and the preschool across the street from me was making $3.5 million a year. So I'm yeah. like, I'm working 100 hours a week. I was managing over 90 hotels throughout the country and basically running my 
boss's company for him for pennies on the dollar while he went and played golf. And I was, I could not believe that this preschool was doing, in my opinion, wasn't, was charging so high of an amount of money. I mean, pre, you know, childcare is really expensive, especially in my area. But for them to not have the level of care that I thought they, they should be providing. So they had like, I want to say. What was wrong with their care? What was wrong with it? Nothing wrong. There wasn't, for me personally, there was about 100, I want to say 100 students. Uh, they had five different classrooms, all different ages, but they had maybe one teacher for every 10 students. Um, and it was a little chaotic. Kids were running around without their clothes on in the wintertime. Um, there's just things that I noticed that weren't normal. Like, this is not a normal thing. Like, this is not okay. Um, and I ran into some issues that weren't okay with me. And I was like, okay, I have to do something about it. So I um, opened a preschool out of my own home. I have eight students. I've been doing it four years and it's been working. I mean, I think the difference between their school and mine is mine is a smaller, you know, smaller classroom, which means they get more attention. Um, my ratio is four to one. So for every four students, there's one teacher. And basically we survived the pandemic because my classroom size was so small. So... So do you do you run this out of your home? Yeah, and it's been working. What's the age group of these kids? Um, it is the youngest student I have is three months. The oldest runs to five years old, and damn, someone gave you their three month old baby. Yes, that's M crazy. Multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I think I've had over sixty students. Um, in the four years that I've had, I would assume a chick would be like, Oh, my baby is three months, I'm not letting him go. Yeah, I'm but saying. I mean, in America, we that's what age that they they only give us three months off of work, mm -hmm. you know, when you're pregnant, so that's the age that my mothers are starting to go back to work. I mean, but now men can take maternity leave, so I figure you can, like... You At least take, stretch it to six months. So yeah, you take yours, and then I'll take mine out, though. I think um, I was getting eight-month-old babies, because a lot of parents got to stay home during work. A lot of people moved, so the classrooms would... My classroom fluctuated. Mm. Every month, it was different. I had a lot of in-and-out students. When I very first started, it was, like, solid... I get to handpick what students I get, mm -hmm. and, they, and I kept them for the, you know, until they went to kindergarten. But how'd you build up your your clientele? Uh, mostly word of mouth. You know, parents really like the care that I provided, so they would, you know, anybody who's looking. And the area that I live in, it's it's a really good area. I live in Berkeley. Um, Ashby and San Pablo is where the school's located. And yeah, so most of the um, students, their parents are doctors, lawyers, scientists. Um, and I also take students who are underprivileged um, and the state will pay for their. Oh, so you get money from the from the state because you own a school? 
No, if the if the parents can afford the tuition, then the state will provide funding for them. So when you have children, right, do you have to, because you know how in schools they have to follow a certain curriculum? Yeah, I mean. Do you make well, your own, you make up your own shit? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I have my <laughs> own curriculum. Mm. Um, but preschools, you don't have to. I mean, that's what's the difference between a daycare and a preschool. So my my school's a preschool because I have a curriculum. So we follow a schedule. Mm. And so they get two lesson periods. They have two periods where they go outside and play um, and interact with other children. And then they come. So we're outside about four hours a day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. They get an hour of a lesson period in the morning and an hour of a lesson period in the evening. And then they have nap time and I provide two meals and two snacks. Today goes by pretty fast. It's a 10 hour day. Do you ever get like a white kid and be like, I'm going to fail you just to make things even in society? <laughs> no. No? Actually, <laughs> all of my students are from other countries right now. Oh, yeah. So I have um, somebody from Ireland. Mm. I have someone from France, the family that's from France. Um, I have one um, student that's underprivileged, that's mixed, and um, a Chinese family. So it's pretty mixed. South Africa, we have Africa. I'm, I'm not sure where. They're just like, they're just like, we're from Africa. And Nigeria, I think. Yeah. And then, so it's pretty well mixed. It's diversity. There's, it's it's odd right now. My classroom, I think, because of COVID, a lot of people have moved out of their country to come here for to be safer and mm. better opportunities. So it's a really diverse classroom at the moment, which is really good. So you you've always loved children, this, or did you just start loving children after you had a child? I'm the oldest of eight, so I've always had, I've always been taking care of kids ever since I could remember, mm -hmm. like, seven years old. <laughs> like, um, I think my youngest brother is 11 years younger. So. All of you guys had the same mom and dad? Yeah. Eight of you guys? No. No. Um, my mom has four and my dad has four. So. so all of you don't have the same mom and dad? No. Okay. Yeah. Who are you close? What? <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're a blended family. Yeah. Who are you closest with? I'm probably closest with Amber. She's my stepsister. Speaking of Mike, please. She's my stepsister. Yeah, but she's like my real sister. I'm the probably the closest because we're around the same age and we grew up together. You mm. know, same house. And your parents when you, were your parents together when you were. Born? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. Did they get, are they married? Not at the moment. So they got divorced? Yes. When? I think I was six. Yeah. Okay. So how many of you guys have the same mom and dad? Um, One, me and my sister. You and your sister? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Where's your family from? The Bay Area, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And you're from San Francisco as well, obviously? Yeah, I was born there, yeah. 
What about you? Where are you from? No, 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 no. It's not about me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's not about you. It's about me. Yeah, exactly. So, um, growing up, how was that like for you in this blended family? Pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of freedom, a lot of responsibility. I helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom is amazing. She's very, very smart. She taught me everything I know. Do you feel like you didn't get to have a the childhood you wanted because you were no constantly I looking after your, the childhood your... I wanted? Okay. <laughs> I think um, because my parents were so open minded and allowed me the freedom to do whatever I, I would I liked because I helped out so much. It, but that's that's what I'm saying. You're a child, but you're like helping out raising your brothers and sisters. Yeah, but it, it's not like something I had to do. It was just I felt like as the oldest, it was my duty to help. It wasn't like my parents forced me to help. Mm. It was just I'm the oldest. This is what I need to do. What is your dad? Is he black, white, what? Yeah, he's black, African American. And your mom? German. German. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the history of their relationship? Like where they met and all that? Yeah, yeah. They met. Uh, my mom worked at the Hilton in downtown San Francisco. It's one of the biggest hotels in San Francisco. I believe it has a. Is that the night. hotel with all like the the flags in the front? Or am I tripping? It might be. It has like it's one of the biggest hotels. It has cities. It used to be cityscape at the top, so it's like all glass. The, you could get the whole view of the city. Um, I think it has like a thousand, like nine, like nineteen hundred rooms or something like that. It's mm. a really big hotel. And my father worked across the street. I think it was called the Park Fifty Five. So they both work for hotels, and they, and they literally are across the street, and it's downtown. I want to say on Eddie and film. More or Folsom? I don't know. Yeah, that's irrelevant. All right. You know, like, oh no, it was O'Farrell. O'Farrell and Eddie. Mm-hmm. Like at that corner, that's where they met. Okay. Yeah. And. You just hit it off. I guess so. Yeah. Because <laughs> here I am. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel, uh, obviously, you're biracial? Of all, are all of your brothers and sisters biracial? They are, yeah. So your dad's four children with that that are not with your mom or with another white woman? Yes. Mm. And my mother had two children with a Mexican. So ha- two of my brothers are half Mexican, half German. Mm. And then I have some steps. So when they got remarried, they had children. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah. When you were growing up, did you feel, because, you know, you have a whole bunch of people who are, like, mixed, and they always tell stories, like, oh, I didn't feel accepted by this side, I didn't feel accepted by that side. What was it like growing up? Did you experience any of that? Actually, I I never felt anything remotely about, anything related to racism until I was, like, I want to say, like, 33 or something like that. I'm walking down the street in San Francisco. Some white guy's like, you fucking nigger or something like that. And I was just what? like. Just randomly said that to you? Yeah, just randomly walking down the street. 
I'm mad at black people or something. Mm. And I was just like, is he talking to me? Like, it was just weird. Cause Did you I, know what a nigger was? I'm just like, it was just, I think for me, because I'm biracial, racism doesn't really exist. Because how are you racist when you're both racist? You know what I mean? Like for me, everybody should love everybody. We're not, we're both we're all the human race. Well, like, obviously, but this is the real world. That shit is not like that. I mean, I think a lot of people base things off of appearances instead of character. And I'm more about like, who are you inside and what are you doing to help the world? That's my, it's not really about how you look. I mean. How old were you when I was said to you? 33. Oh, 33. Oh, yeah. So you're already grown, so. Yeah, I was grown. Like, I grew up my whole life being loved, you know. Of course, I'm cute and attractive, so it's not hard to love me. Mm -hmm. It would probably be different if I was unattractive and not cute. But everybody loves me, I think, because I have a positive attitude and I'm easy on the eye. So it's so you're, you're self-aware that attractive women have it easier. I'm not saying we have it easier. In fact, I think it depends on the environment. Well, no, uh, yeah. If we're surrounded by other women who have power. Easier is the wrong a, way to Yeah, they to make say. it a little hard for us. But what I meant to say is you're aware that attractive women get certain advantages in life. I think a lot of people have advantages if people are smarter. Everybody has a talent. Everybody has an advantage. It's just about using what you have to get what you want. Mm -hmm. Everybody has something. What high school did you go to? I went to several high schools, actually. My parents are divorced, and I moved around a lot. So I started high school at a school called Clovis West in Fresno. Fresno. Yes, that's where my grandfather lives. How did you end up in Fresno? When my parents got separated, that's where I went to spend some time with him. Um, so I went to high school there. And then we, my mom was in Hayward. So I went to Hayward High. So freshman year was in, at Clovis West. Sophomore year, I went to Hayward High. My mom moved from Hayward to San Jose. So yeah. then I did my junior year. In San Jose. So, was, so each year you were at a different school? Yeah. Wow. Um, I spent time in San Jose at Overfelt. And then I went to Blossom Hill because we moved to a nicer neighborhood. So how did that affect you? I got to be... Jumping from school to school, me and friends. Actually, I really leaving. embraced being the new girl. Like, I could be anybody. I can be... Make whatever friends. And it academically helped me, too, because... Every school required different things. So by the time I got to my senior year, which um, I spent in Vallejo at <laughs> Hogan High, which I don't believe exists anymore, mm. but I only needed two classes to graduate, mm -hmm. which are the two required senior classes, which I think was economics, whatever, English or whatever other, you know, um, senior class. So I, academically, I was really advanced. And which, and I, yeah, my senior year was a breeze. What's, what school did you enjoy the most? I, actually, I love school. I think that's probably why I own one now. 
You know what I'm saying? But which school did you enjoy? Did you have the most fun at? I think I had the most fun in San Jose. I just think the people there are a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're a little bit more aware, like trendy wise and like fashion. You know, in school and high school, it's all about what are we, what are we going to wear? Who's your friend? You know, like. Were you allowed to have boyfriends in high school? Yeah, I think I my first boyfriend that I had when I was my daughter actually asked my dad the other day because she was she's eight years old and she's like, When can I have a boyfriend? And I was like, Uh, that's a dad question, right? <laughs> she's like, Let's call your dad, right? So we called grandpa and she asked him like when did I, ha- when was my first boyfriend? Of course, I don't remember. He remembers, though. He was like, oh, I think she was 14 when she had her first boyfriend. And then my daughter was like, oh, did you like him? Did you approve? She, she he was, then she asked him when it would be okay for her to have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I think it's okay at 16 to have a boyfriend. She's Were like, you oh, only eight more years? Like <laughs> my daughter is something well, else. She knows math. <laughs> <laughs> Were you one of those girls? Because I'm assuming that you developed early. Were you one of those high school girls who were dating grown men? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why? What kind of question is that? I mean, every high school has that one girl. Uh, Maybe two, three. And you thought I was one of them? That, you know, that develops early and, like, talks to grown-ass men. Like, pedo- uh, like weird-ass grown-ass men. No, no, not me. I had, I was, many, I was of, I had many of those in, in, in my I high school. actually, like, tomboyish. I played basketball for a lot of years. Got a lot of trophies. I did track. I was into sports. So after you graduated high school, what was your next move? Did you go to college? I did. I went to several colleges. I got seven degrees. Seven degrees. Sounds ridiculous, right? I didn't know. Sounds unbelievable. Name all these degrees. First, I wanted to be an architect. (laughs) Wait a minute. Name. Can you name the seven degrees you have? Let me just go through it. Jesus. I started um, college. I went to Clovis. No, that was high school. I went to Contra Costa College, mm-hmm. um, which is a um, like a JC, like a junior college. Yeah. I played basketball there. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You played basketball for CCC? Yes. Wow. <laughs> like you even more now. <laughs> so I played basketball for CCC. I'm surprised you know that. And then, um, yeah, I did my uh, first, my first couple months. Did you play ball in high school? <laughs> yes. So you were good. Pretty much. I'm still good. So then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I played basketball. I did. I wanted to be an architect. Like ever since I was like six years old, I wanted to be an architect. But mm. my grandfather, is a, who's a doctor convinced me to become a nurse because he's like, you you have a good heart and you can work anywhere if you're a nurse, right? So when I first went to college, I got straight A's in drafting and all the prereqs to be an architect. 
but my grandfather talked me into becoming a nurse and all my friends were being wanted to be a nurse. So I switched majors and started doing um, prerequisites for nursing, which takes forever. And nurses eat their young. They do not want to do that. I don't know what it is about nursing. So you were trying to be an RN nurse. I was trying to be an RN, but I eventually became an LVN, which is like a step below. You would call me like a wound nurse. So I basically took care of wounds and I gave a lot of shots, you know, draw blood, things like that. I I floated around a lot. So first I took care of like old people and then I went into taking care of younger kids, like kids with seizures and kids, you know. So it got really sad. So I was like, I I did that for like six years. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm crying, taking my work home. So then I um, went into management and I started managing doctor's office, dentist's office. And that was really fun. I made a lot of money. And then I went into hospitality and I wanted to be a CEO. I wanted to own my own company. I didn't know exactly what kind of company I was going to own. I was thinking like wellness center or something. I wanted to bridge the gap between westernized medicine and easternized medicine. So the difference is basically westernized is like technology, you know, the way we do things here. Easternized is more like herbs. Holistic medicine, acupuncture, things like that. So I was trying to merge. I wanted to create a wellness center that basically merged both of them and actually cure disease. Um, But that, for some reason, did not manifest. I worked like two or three years on it. And I think the business partner that I had at the time, we just fell short somehow. We weren't agreeing. She wasn't ready to move forward. I was working so hard. It didn't happen. So then I was like, okay, let me just figure out how to run businesses. So then I worked for a CEO coach. And he basically created a roundtable for the CEOs in the Bay Area who had multi-million dollar companies, a lot of CEOs are at the top or they are at the top of their company and they don't have anybody to bring their problems to. So he basically created a group of people that they could bring their problems about their companies at this table and then we would solve them. So I learned a lot from that and then I went to work for a CEO um, and that's how I got into hospitality. I worked for... um, Somebody who ran Kimpton Hotels. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's mm. kind of like a Marriott, but like boutique hotels. They have hotels all over the country. And I basically managed over 90 of them. Um, not single-handedly. Of course, I had managers below me, but I had I had like four or five cities and each city had like 10 hotels, you know, 10, 20 hotels, depending on the city. Every city was different. But I managed those hotels. I managed all the vendors and things like that. So I really um, got a knack for how to run a business, what it takes to run a business. And then I ran into this problem with my daughter's daycare and decided to just go for that because it was easier than what I was doing. And it 
the and I was going to make more. So mm. it was a win-win and I've been doing it ever since then. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you 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 gave me the history of your jobs. I asked about your degrees. Oh yeah, sorry. So, where was I? I asked name your seven degrees. Okay. So, my first was of course I have liberal arts, which is like your normal that's what I got from. So from Contra Costa, I got three degrees. Mm-hmm. I got liberal arts, behavioral and social science, and what was the other one that I got? I feel like 20 years ago. <laughs> There's another one. I want to say social. but I say? Behavior and social science. And there was another social science. I can't think of off the top of my head, but I know I got three from <laughs> Contra Costa. Then I moved on from Contra Costa to San Francisco State, and I got a um, holistic health um, degree and um, a health education degree from San Francisco State. And then I went to Cal and got um, a project management degree, and I also went to university. I'm the universe. Um Argosy University, and I got my business degree mm. from there. And I'm like, is that all of them? Oh, I got a couple um, nursing degrees. Forgot about that. That's what happened before. After Contra Costa, I went into nursing school, and I got a certificate in nursing and a AS in nursing, which made me an LVN um, from Contra from Carrington College. Is what it's called. It's like a trade <laughs> school. Yeah. But why uh why were you getting so many degrees? Were you just undecisive about your what career I, you wanted or what? I think I wanted to be an architect, but my grandfather talked me into being a nurse. Mm. And then because I'm my because of my family and their statues, like, oh, you have to get these higher degrees. You can't just have associate's degree in nursing or, uh, you know, even though at that time I had four or five degrees, mm-hmm. it wasn't enough, you know. And then I wasn't happy. I don't, I don't think nursing fit me. Like, I'm not a scrub, you know, type mm-hmm. of yeah. sneaker type of person. But, um yeah, I think it just didn't fit me at that time. And, and I was just, I was living through other people. Like they, I was, I wanted to be a nurse to please my grandfather instead of really truly just following what I wanted. And I think that's why I developed this life coaching um, program to just help people not try to live through other people. They should make their own choices for their own life mm-hmm. and believe in themselves that they can do it. And I feel like being afraid of failing is, is how you know you're on the right path. Like that fear is, that's what got me to where I'm at. Like it was, a, I was afraid of leaving a job nine to five and going into entrepreneurship because of that fear of like, I don't know if I'm going to get this paycheck from every week or two weeks or mm-hmm. however you get paid. But it just skyrocketed the income potential. There's no cap 
when you become an entrepreneur, there's no, there's no stop point on the amount of money you can make. You know? mm, I mean, I wouldn't agree. I don't agree with that. I mean, it, the sky's the limit. Like, the, well, you gotta, you gotta. First of all, entrepreneurs, you're gonna be broke. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be broke, and it's a struggle for years. And ten years might go by. No, and you, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that not, at all. It's I, not that I really easy. feel like if you find your passion, it doesn't matter what you do, you're gonna make money at it. You can wash windows. Mm-hmm. If you're washing windows and you're passionate about washing windows and everybody knows you wash windows, mm-hmm. you could be washing windows for the skyscrapers, all the people. People are going to pay you to wash the windows. Yeah, but in order to get those big contracts to wash those skyscraper windows. You got to be passionate you, about it. No, you got to grind no, and wash windows. Think, you're not just going to, you're not just, the grind. you think, are not like just going to stop. The, the name hustler, like people are so like, I got to hustle. I got to grind. To get here, I hustled and grind and I worked my ass off and I worked hours and hours and I've never worked so less and made so much money because I'm so passionate about what I do. I think and you, what are you talking specifically about your daycare? Yeah, I, I feel like once you find what you're passionate about, the, the money is going to come. Like, so when you started your daycare, did you start it with all already all these eight students? No. So when you it started took your me get- two months to get my first student, I mean, and well, I had is- one person that believed in me that funded me. So I worked mm. to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I hired my best friend to mm-hmm. set up my daycare, and she stayed there with no students. Mm-hmm. She basically set it up, decorated, made it look like a daycare, and just did advertising. I mean, and, well, I feel and, like I, day- and then my business partner paid her. Daycares are easy because niggas want to get away from their kids. So that's a, that's, <laughs> no, that's a easy. I'm, and I, I just that's think easy, that, that uh, it's a fix. need. I feel like um, the there's less education, educational resources for zero to five. So because I there I'm so needed in my community, that's why I'm doing so well. I think, and I love what I do because kids love me. Kids love me. I love them. It works. Yes, that's you know? fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that's I'm, your. I'm that's that's your. That's your story. To go to the park and learn, teach them how to swing. That like, is, we're swinging today. All right, all right, stop, 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 stop. I'm gonna. I need to set you straight. Okay, stop. That's your story. To say, to make a blanket statement saying, oh, if you're an entrepreneur, you're just going to make money. That's ridiculous. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you find your passion. Even when you find your passion. I think it's it's the good, you're the joy. Gonna, when you find the joy in what you do and, and you love what you do and you will do this without getting paid, that's duh. how you know that it's your passion. Obviously. Yeah. But you want to get paid. Yeah, if you're really good at what you do, you will get paid. Yeah, eventually, but you have to fuck. It's just like a, if you're if I'm you have so, to believe in yourself. I'm passionate about being a comedian. Okay, <laughs> I'm very passionate. Do you think Kevin Hart just popped on the scene and started making millions and millions of, course, of dollars? You have to 
work to get what what All right, exactly. you're at, so you're right? gonna you're gonna you're gonna get you're but gonna you get gotta paid. love it too yeah. that's all i'm saying there has to be joy there's gotta be a but you said it. like no you just love it and then you you're eventually and you're then, telling uh, me like you gotta hustle you, gotta you do grind. gotta hustle people who the are fuck? successful do not identify with those words they don't identify with hustle and grind people, yes they do the top people that are making the most money in this world right now they don't identify those you know what words they identify with what joy they identify with that. Well, Inspiring. yeah, obviously now they How do. How can they make an impact? When they're already established and successful, you think Jeff, Jeff Bezos <laughs> wasn't, if you look, he fucking, Jeff Bezos put a picture on when he started Amazon in his garage with his ex-wife. In his garage, Jeff Bezos started Amazon. You think he was, he was hustling and grinding, but now he's one of the richest men in the world in order to get to that level. You had to hustle. You had to grind. You had to do a whole bunch of shit. So it's just not, he didn't just pop on the scene like, boom, Amazon is Amazon, what it yeah, is Yeah, but you know, I think, the, I studied, you know, when I work for the CEO coach, I study CEOs. Jeff Bezos was one of them. And you know, the, you know what made him stop working and go into Amazon? He was like, I don't want to regret not taking the leap. If I yes. didn't start this company, I don't want to be 80 years old in my deathbed saying, we're what about, if? We're talking about two different things. No, we're, I'm talking about Jeff Bezos. I, I seen the interview when he was really talking about the moment he switched from, he had a good job. He was making great money. Everyone has a good job. Everyone quits and takes a chance on himself. Like I quit my job and launched Everyday Celebrity Media Company and I wanted to grow and be considered with iHeart, Spotify, and like every other digital media company that's out there. Obviously, Facebook, you look at Facebook, that motherfucker, Zach, he was in Harvard. He dropped out because he had an idea and he started a business. He took a chance. Everyone, every entrepreneur takes a chance on themselves. That's that's obvious. Yeah, but my point is you don't take a chance on yourself unless you're passionate about it. You got to be able to work this job and know you're not going to get paid. Yeah, and exactly. love it. I do this podcast and I know I'm not going to get paid for a few years, but maybe <laughs> but do you love it. Yes, I love it. That's why okay, I still do is it. Is there joy in there? Yes, there's that's joy. That's I'm why I'm fucking about. talking to you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That but joy, eventually, that joy, that is what makes you successful. Someone's going to hear this that. joy <laughs> and then be like, yo, that's damn, gonna, I want to, I want to sign this nigga. You. I want to sign this nigga. I want to get this nigga <laughs> a, a fucking $2 million contract. And then boom, next thing you know, me and you are in Fiji. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's going to be a fucking struggle. It's I already not know gonna that. It's going to be a struggle. That's it's going to be a struggle. I'm running a no. business and I don't take I don't take money from banks. It's all the money that I have two no, employees and saying, and it all comes out of my pocket. Yeah, but all I'm saying is once you find that place of joy and happiness and you're not thinking of the negative things and you're just thinking this is what's going to happen. The end picture is what happens. Like, if you constantly focus on the positive and I'm going upward and this is what I want, yes. eventually you're going to get there. It doesn't matter how long you could be baby stepping. I'm baby stepping. As long as you know the right way or the next right move to mm -hmm. the end picture, you're going to make it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? How do um, athletes or professional athletes 
win the win the race. They visualize themselves winning the race before they actually win the race. You have to see what you want before you can hold it in your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not just going to automatically get there. You have to have that enthusiasm, the joy, the, those good feelings, and that's what's going to drive the momentum to get you there. We're saying the same shit, just different ways. I'm sure. But I'm saying it more realistically. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying a fairy tale way. I'm, I'm not I'm saying, saying a fairy tale. Like, there's going to be a, there's going to be there's struggle. Look, uh, uh, Frederick Douglass, his famous quote: "Without struggle, there there will be no progress." Well, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I I, I listened to um, Denzel Washington earlier when he was giving a speech to some graduate students. He was talking about failing forward. Right? Everybody fails, even like. The person who invented the light bulb. What was his name? Thomas Edison? Mm-hmm. He failed a thousand times. I didn't even know that. I well, first of all, we don't even know if he really created it. It might have been a slave back then. That <laughs> nigga just took credit. Scientists, the way that they're successful is they fail first. They fail a thousand times before they make the light bulb, for example. Yes. You have to be... you. You can't be afraid of failing when it comes to success. Yes. It, you have to be comfortable with it. Yeah, yes. it's going to be hard. It's, there's going to be a struggle. You're going to fail. You mm-hmm. got to feel comfortable with that if you want to be successful. When's the last time you failed? Today. <laughs> I, feel, I felt like it was a failure because no matter in my relationship with my future husband or whatever you want to call him. Mm-mm. I don't even know at this point because he's going through this situation I can't help him with. You know, like he has all these issues with his ex and I feel bad for him. Sounds toxic. Yeah, it's really bad. Like, but it's not my problem at the end of the day. No, it's not. That's his problem. I'm there. I care about you. You guys are an item. I'm listening to you. <laughs> I understand you're going through this, but at the same time, I it is not my problem. That's your problem. I'm just here to help you get through it. And oh, if yeah. you don't want my help, you know, that's fine too, but I'm not going to sit there and be in your misery. That mm-hmm. how am I going to help you if I'm there in, in this horrible place that you're in, you know? There's no way that I can help you. In your in your years of life, when was the darkest time? Um, the darkest. The darkest this time. This is a really serious, deep question. <laughs> Welcome to the okay, podcast. Okay, so um, I think in when I was pregnant with my daughter, mm-hmm. her father went to prison. Um, I was four months you're pregnant. Showing, you're showing how to pick him, don't you? Yeah, I was four months pregnant. He went to prison. He got 10 years. For what? Um, for being with the wrong people at the wrong time. So he, he, robbed, he robbed some banks. That's what you're no, trying to say? No, no. <laughs> I think the person, he had, he had the rental car. I remember this day specifically. Let me break it down. Okay, so... Mm. We got into an altercation because he believes in Yoruba religion. I don't know if you're familiar with Yoruba, but it's a very old African religion. 
It's before Christianity. It's probably one of the oldest religions, but they have demigods. I don't know if you heard of Oshun, Yemiya. It's mm. an African religion. Yes. They have different um, demigods between God and people. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to the to these demigods to ask for what you want, then the demigods will go to God. You can't, not like our my religion. So a nigga was crazy. That's what you got to, that's just. I mean, it's an but, African tradition. They believe in what they believe in. I believe in the Holy Trinity, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. That's just me. Mm. I go to church on Sunday. I sing and dance. You know, that's me. That's my. Yeah, I, can get, I can get into religion and, and break that down. Yeah, but okay. But, yeah, so we had this disagreement, right? He's Yoruba, African um, tradition. I'm Christian. Well, traditionally Christianity or Holy Trinity, right? Mm, yeah. Um, so we had this argument of <laughs> what our daughter what she's going to be, what religion is she going to fall into or what is she going to believe, right? And I'm like, she's going to church. Da -da 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 -da. She's going to be baptized, all this stuff. And he was like, no. Da -da -da -da. We're in New York at this time. He gets out of the car, right? I'm in the car. I'm like, whatever. I take off on him. Like, you want to get mad and leave me? I'm pregnant. Fuck you, right? So I leave him. I go to the hotel. I... We just recently booked, I booked it on an app. I was, this is how smart the father of my child, he remembers what hotel it is, walks to the hotel. I get to the hotel, check in. I'm like, uh, whatever. I'm not even, I'm, I'm so mad at him. I don't even care. I'm hungry. I'm pregnant. I go to an Italian restaurant because mm -hmm. it's New York. Go to an Italian restaurant a couple of blocks away. He gets to the hotel. He leaves his phone in the car. So when he gets to the hotel, he calls me from the hotel. So you guys phone. had a rental car in New York? Yeah, it was like a That's crazy Mercedes. It was no, what was it? It was a Mustang drop top blue. Why would you rent a car in New York? Because we don't live there. Oh, all right. <laughs> so I'm in the car, I go to the Italian place, get the food, whatever. At the time, I'm talking my ex-boyfriend is in New York too, coincidentally, right? Mm. So I'm talking to my ex-boyfriend like, oh, I'm in New York too, da 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 Oh, okay. Right? So On the phone. You're I being leave my phone in the car, right? He leaves his phone in the car. When I And then he gets to the hotel. I tell him, oh, I'm at the restaurant. He comes to the restaurant. He's like, oh, give me the keys. I'm going to go to the car to get my phone. Goes to the car, finds my phone, sees I'm talking to my ex, gets upset. Why right? were you talking to your ex? Because I was mad. And he's mm. my best friend. But anyways. Mm. So then. So that was wrong in itself. But keep going. He's my best friend. I was in New York. He's not your myself. best friend. He's not your best friend. Why? Do you still talk to him to this day? Yes. All right, whatever. Continue. He's my best friend. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, so then, um, anyway, so he gets upset that I'm talking to him. As he it's should. Emotional. As he should. Through the roof, emotional. I'm like, whatever. We get back. Blah, blah, blah. I'm a, I'm a nurse at that time. Have to go to work. So I'm getting on the plane. This guy's crying. Crying. Like Wait, wait, wait. You're getting on a plane to go to leave New York? Yes. Oh, the okay. next day. The next morning. Okay. So then. So you were a nurse back in California? Yes. Okay. And I, while I was pregnant. Mm, so I right. go back. Mm -hmm. Go do my nursing thing. This fool goes... And he's still in New York? Still in New York. Goes to be with his friend, whatever, 
emotional, crying. His friend's cousin. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Because I want the people, I want to dissect this story. Mm-hmm. So you guys went on a, like a small vacation to New York together, correct? Um, he had a, another house there. So okay. I was constantly going back so, and forth. So he lived in, in New York. Connecticut, which is very close to New York. Yeah. Did he live in New York or Connecticut? Connecticut. So, you, we But you guys were just in time. New York. Yeah. So you visited him in Connecticut and you were just in New York for a couple right. of days. And then you flew, flew back. back but he, he was yeah. living there. Yeah. He, so you were in a long distance relationship. No, no, no. He, he traveled a lot. We have multiple places all over. All right. That so one of our places. So, you left, so when you left, he wasn't, he wasn't, originally he wasn't supposed to come back with you. He was supposed to stay there. Yeah, he was working. All right. Continue. Yeah, he's working, goes with his friend, upset. His friend, cousin, needed a ride to FedEx. But mm-hmm. he was picking up something that was illegal. But Which was he, what, some cocaine? I have no idea. It was cocaine. Honest. But anyway, <laughs> he goes, <laughs> he cocaine, has a rental car that drives these two guys to go pick up the package that was illegal. So this nigga was a drug dealer. Basically, yeah. but not a... But you didn't, did you know he was a drug no, dealer? No, he worked at a bank. That's what you thought he worked at. Right. But he, it was his friend. It, it was his friend's cousin or something like that. It wasn't even him. The reason he got tied to everything is because he drove the car to no. the FedEx. So his friend worked for him. They had a whole drug like, smuggling he, ring where they used to drive he cocaine even, he didn't even through know state lines. It was his friend's cousin. The cousin, he didn't know. He knew the that. The cousin never. asked for a ride. Okay. He took him... To where he needed to go. To pick up some pounds of coke. I don't know. And drive it, it through state lines. Drive probably drive it to Jersey or some shit. No, no, I know this. No, I know. It wasn't like that. It's it basically he was in the wrong place, wrong time. So he picked he, he picked your friend up. They picked up some drugs and they got pulled over? No, what happened was he goes in first. Um my baby daddy goes in. He's like, wait, this something ain't right. Like obviously he knew where he was going or whatever. He goes in first. He tries to tell the cousin, don't come in, some ain't right, right? Scoot. Some ain't right. So he walks out of the FedEx and starts walking down the street because the car is parked right in front. Mm-hmm. The guy doesn't listen to him and still goes in. So 20 federal agents tackle him, get the car, get the friend. And my baby daddy just starts walking down the street, does not get caught at the moment. So the federal agents are already watching these niggas. Right. Okay, yeah. So then he bounced, right, Mm -hmm. and goes to Connecticut because this happens in New York. Mm -hmm. Then he calls me, flies me back to New York, Mm -hmm. and tells me what happened. And I'm like, okay, you got to get the fuck out of here. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? So he was afraid to leave. Leave New York? Because of what happened. At this point, was he back in his house in Connecticut or was he still in New York? No, he was in Connecticut. Okay. So then I'm like, look, you didn't do nothing wrong. So he already left New York. So he's on in another state. Yeah, he he didn't get in trouble initially. So why the fuck is he scared to leave Connecticut? He already left New York. I don't know. I think because of what happened or the car got taken. Okay. There was a lot of his personal And the car was in his name and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. So he was afraid. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, don't be afraid. Just come with me. So mm-hmm. he comes back to California. Mm-hmm. I think it was like six months later when he got arrested, and then they con aired him back. So they arrested him in California. Yes. 
Where was he at when he got arrested? I don't know. I have no idea. I was working. But his but family tried to hide together. it from me. But no, you guys no. were still together? We were still together. What, did, what were the charges? I am not 100% sure. He's not completely honest about that. You know. He's your fucking baby dad. You don't know what he got arrested for? I, I, I Maybe it's, I don't really care. <laughs> it was 10 years, like seven, eight years ago. Is he still Nine in prison? Ago? No, he just got out because of COVID. He, he was sentenced to 10 years. Mm-hmm. He did seven and a half. That was two years ago. So when he got out, did he contact you as soon as he got out? Like, Yo, let, let me let me get some of this. Yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. Did you oblige? No, he, he went to a halfway <laughs> house for six months, so he had no contact with people really. Did you see him when he got out? I not really. No, yeah. I mean he would. St- I had you know he would stop by. Did you give him out. that fresh out of jail? Hell no, coochie. And That's what I'm he, asking. And you know the thing was. I think because he tried to threaten me, like, if you don't give me some, then I'm not going to help you with my daughter. And th- at that point, I was like, oh, you got me f- all the way. You weren't helping seven up. years. Like, come on. How, was that, a, how I, was that a threat when, nigga, you've been gone for seven years and I've been good? I was just like, what the hell kind of, like, who do you think you are and why would you even make that comment? I just, I, would, I just lost all respect. I, at that moment, I realized he was not the same person that... Well, duh, I, he was in prison for seven years. So. Yeah. I'm like, you aren't the same person. Where was he locked up at? And, and uh, Rikers? It was a multiple... It was multiple places. But he wasn't locked up in California. No, it was in New York. Mm. Then they sent him to a camp that was like in the snow somewhere. I don't even know. Mm. I just remember it being like, we're in the snow in the middle of nowhere. So where is he at now? Is he in California? Yeah, he just uh, he's fully integrated back into you know <laughs> society, and we're going through this. This does he want a relationship with his daughter? That was my main focus. Um, does I he think, want? I think that he was jealous that I moved on and I had, was engaged um, when he got back. That he was totally focused on destroying my life and making my life hard that he didn't focus on his own daughter. So I made it a point to make sure that they had a good relationship because I feel that it's important for a father and daughter to have a good relationship because her ultimate, her most important decision of her life is what mate she chooses. And that solely depends on her relationship with her father. So my whole thing. And it solely de- it depends on the men that you bring around your daughter. Yeah. And I feel like the most important relationship she has is with her father. And that's how she's going to choose her mate. And if she doesn't have a healthy relationship with him, I didn't want her to make the same mistake I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally feel like if I made a better choice, that my life would be completely different. I'm not saying that I'm, I am very successful and I, and I solely base it on him and his ability. Maybe because I was a single mother and I worked so hard to make sure that my daughter had everything she needed that that's why I'm successful. But if, if he was there, I feel like I would be more successful than what I am. Why do you? choose I mean from this conversation I feel like you choose like the 
You go after the gangster type guys, the hood no. type guys. <laughs> no, that, my fiance is very huh? uh he's he's a very good guy. He's a, like a soon tie, he's a consultant, he's soccer player. He's like the perfect But I feel guy. I feel I'm giving you my honest opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, even though he's well, first of all, you said he was your boyfriend. You didn't say he was a, his, your, he was your fiance. Yeah. So that's an issue right there. Second, I feel like he doesn't. He's he's. I feel like you're 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 dating him because he's safe. He doesn't give you that spark. Like he doesn't get you wet. You know what I'm no, saying? No, he, he, he doesn't. He does, well, let me finish. <laughs> no, he let me finish. <laughs> let me finish. He doesn't give you like, oh damn! Every time I see this guy, I like get butterflies. I feel like yeah, you're, he you're, does. you're dating does. him because he's just safe. No, I think that he has a lot of issues and insecurities and things that he's dealing with in his past that he can't let go of. I feel like you're ignoring a lot of red flags. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I guess you fall in love with the person that you potentially think that they can be, even though that they're stuck in this hard place. You got to fall in love with the person he is. He is, yeah. Not what he can be, because he might might never be that person. Yeah, right now, he's just in a really dark place. So right now, right now, the guy that this man is, everything from accepting him for his negatives and his positives you're ready to marry this guy right now the way he is now without changing him whatsoever you're ready to marry this man spend the rest of your life yeah i think he's a great he makes me better Lies, you're lying no he makes me better and that's you just why broke I, up with him i didn't break up i think that he's going through a lot and he feels in this place where he's stuck and I can't deal with it anymore. I'm How like, look, dude, How I'm old? a very happy, you know, I, I need love and happiness. Like I need, I thrive on positivity. Mm. And if you're in this stuck, miserable, like he's in a place where he's miserable because of his ex and she won't let him see his children. So he has kids with other women. Yeah. He has three children. With the same woman? No, two different women. One is 25, wow. very, very intelligent, beautiful. I love her to death. She's very smart. Yep. The other two are very cute, <laughs> 10 and 6. My daughter's 8, so she fits right in the middle perfectly. They uh-huh. get along very well, but his ex-wife is trying to create a wedge. If I was a woman, and if I was fucking with a dude who had kids with multiple women... That would be a red flag for me. Why? I, because you father. have, it doesn't matter. You have kids with multiple women. Why the fuck? Why the fuck you didn't stick around and work it out? Like, I would never have children yeah, with multiple women. Yeah, I think that's one women. of his. Um, never. Like, if I have a child. That's cho- one of his things. He doesn't, he, he gives up easily. If, I, my, if, one of my greatest talents, which is probably why I'm so successful. <laughs> I never give up. Like mm. I could, I would never give up. I, you would have to kill me before I die. You know, like I would, before I give up, I would have to be dead. Like there's no way. If I can't walk, I'm crawling. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to make it. No, it doesn't matter how 
or what is what is the fuck's going on? I'm gonna make it. Mm. I have that level of determination, mm. and I don't think I think that's one of his. Well, that's good in the business world, but in the relationships, there's times where you should give up. Yeah, there's a point where that in my uh, life coaching program, I teach self love. I teach selfishness. I teach. You need to care about yourself first. You need to love yourself first in order to love others. There's no way you're going to be able to love me at the full capacity. I need you to love me if you mm. don't love yourself first. You know what I mean? You love yourself? All the way. Like 100%. You go to therapy? I, on occasion, if I feel like I need it, my best friends are therapists. I have three friends that are therapists. But mm. I, I feel like... It's important to have self-love. Like if you if you don't, you're lost. Like you can't if there's a certain level of value that comes with loving yourself. Like you're this much more you know equipped to handle what's coming at you on a daily basis if you love yourself more. And you're not going to be with those type of friends. You know what I mean? You're not going to just let anything happen to you or, you know, if you love yourself, there's just a certain level of respect, you know, and dignity. And I think forgiveness has a lot. Casa Amigos, holler me. I need sponsors. (laughs) I'm just saying that I feel like. Love has a lot to do with uh, forgiveness. A lot of people don't know how to forgive. And I think forgiveness has a lot to do with self-love and loving yourself because forgiveness is not for the other person. It is for yourself. Mm. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like, you need to forgive your parents for whatever the fucked up thing they did to you or those friends that you had. You need to forgive them or your sister or your brother. I mean, Any I, relationship. I agree with that to a certain extent, but I feel like, why do why do we need to forgive? Like you know when people because you need to no, forgive. but wait, let me finish. You know how when uh, when you see on the news, right? Like uh, these police officers who murder these black kids, and then their parents are like, "Oh, I'm a, I forgive the cop who murdered my son for no reason." Why? Why because are you forgiving? Let it go. No, because, fuck that. Okay, if I, I, I wait, let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. If my child was murdered by a racist white cop, I'm not forgiving him. I'm wishing death on that cop. Yeah, but how? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. So I don't know why the fuck everyone is like. That's what's wrong with black people now because they're (laughs) they're too forgiving. Like, why the fuck are we forgiving everybody? That's what it, why forgiveness has to do with self love because forgiveness is not for the other person. It's not for the cop. It is for the parent. The parent is not saying it is is okay that that cop killed their son. They're not saying it is okay. They're acknowledging that it happened and they're letting it go. I will let it go when the cop gets the same fate as my son. That's when I will. Okay, so when that happens, then they're both dead. I I will feel good. But you'll feel good, but there's no forgiveness. You're still holding on to it. No. I would come. I would come to reality that my son is gone, but I would feel better that the man who took my son's life is in hell. Yeah, but there's 
but what we're talking about is forgiveness. We're not talking yeah, about saying, what happened and I know how you that, feel and all that Basically, stuff. what I'm saying is we don't need to forgive. No, what I'm telling you is you need forgiveness for yourself. But there's... To let go. I'm, and, and acknowledge... That's yeah, one scenario. This happened. Yes. Somebody got shot. That's one scenario, yes. This but is what happened. Everyone, it's not okay. We're not, because you forgave them, it's not saying this is okay that this happened. We're acknowledging that it happened. And we're letting it go. Yeah, this horrible thing happened. You don't have to say that it's okay that it happened. You can just acknowledge this is what happened. And then you say, what do I do next? What am I going to do with this? Murder, vengeance. That's what you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All I'm saying is forgiveness allows you to move forward instead of holding the past First of all, you're always you're all you're going to be sad about your child being murdered. Yeah, you're going to be sad, but you forever. don't need to hold on to it. You don't need to hold on to it. You don't have to have it hold you hostage. But you or punish you daily. Forgiveness allows you but to you, let it go. But you knowing that your son is dead and this cop is just walking around freely enjoying his life with no he didn't get punished at all. That's going to fuck you up even more, and yeah, it's going to drive okay, you crazy. Yeah. Hold it. Because you're not letting it go. So that's the difference. How can you let it go? Self-love allows... There was no justice. There's no justice in the situation. and self-love come hand in hand because it allows you to let go of what happened See, that's that Christi- and not continue that's to that punish cri- you. That's that Christianity shit that no, you're talking about. No, it's not Christianity or none of that. You don't want to be punished every day and reminded that your son got shot by a white cop. Exactly. You, you don't know. want... That's like... You're punishing. There's pain there. It's horrible. How are you? But would going? you feel better if 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 it if doesn't matter? It was... if, what I'm saying is feeling the the way you feel better is through forgiveness. Mm. The only way to let it go. It's not saying that it's okay that it happened. It's about this is what happened. Now what am I going to do? So you you have a child, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. You have a daughter, right? Right. I'm going to give you a scenario, and this is a fucked up scenario, and I don't wish this on it. I'm just using this as an example. Let's say a crazy motherfucker, your daughter, she's eight right now, right? Well, let's say she's a freshman in high school. She's like 15. She's walking home from school. A crazy motherfucker grabs her, pulls her into the woods, strangles the shit out of her, kills her, beats the shit out of her. They find her. She, her face is swollen. Mutilated all the shit. Mutilated, yeah. yeah, blah blah blah. You're crying. You're devastated. They catch the guy. Mm-hmm. He gets let off because there's no DNA evidence to con- uh, to convict him. To convict him because all every to now today's society is all about DNA. Right. It's not he say she say anymore. Okay. It's about DNA. Mm-hmm. He gets off. Right. I'm going after him. Period. You're going after him. What are you going after him for? You're not going to forgive him? I'm not after he. Huh? I'm just saying. So, oh, oh, now. So, oh, so <laughs> now you're vengeful. You're not forgiven? Because if you did, you just gave, you just went on a whole fucking rant saying forgive. So you want to, you want to forgive this man? Is, no, no, no. All I'm saying No, no, no. Is, what would you do? What I would do? Yes. What would you do? I'm killing him. Exactly. I'm going to kill him. So you're not going to forgive him. 
So basically, you're so basically you're agreeing with me. I'm forgiving him, like for, I just said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forgiving him for making a stupid ass mistake that ended his. That life. was a mistake. Yeah. No, he, that's not a mistake. A mistake is something that you didn't want. That you okay, didn't plan on happening. This nigga plan on. He's he's waiting in the woods. He grabbed your daughter. People, right. He was waiting in the woods. He some, grabbed your daughter. Some people deserve to die. Like I but, believe no, all evil no, people. No, because if you forgive on, maybe no, he was just having a bad day no, and just wanted fuck to fucking all that. Yeah. Fuck all that. At the end just of the say day, you agree with me, nigga. No. Just yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm agreeing to t- with you. What I'm you just said you is, would kill this man. I'm just saying all evil people deserve to die. Well, what makes him evil? You said about forgiveness. Maybe he was I mean, just having a bad. Maybe he was. Maybe he was mentally ill, and he felt matter. like what if he was doing was right. Ill, you probably need deserve to die because there's not just one person that you're gonna hurt. You're so gonna you don't believe in forgiveness. That's no, what I'm saying. I believe in forgiveness. You just, I just gave you a scenario. I, you said you would kill this nigga, <laughs> just like I said I, I would kill the like, dude. When it comes to normal, normalty things, day to day things, on like, oh, this person. Um, accidentally bumped my bumper, or uh, you know what I everyone's going to forget that. Yeah, that's no, not, not everybody. That's some people some, have extreme it was a mistake. It was a mistake that that he 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 didn't wake up in the morning saying, oh, "I'm going to drive into somebody's car." No, it was a fucking mistake. Obviously, oh, I forgive you. Let's insurance, blah blah blah. That's easy to say, but what I'm talking about is situations where. Black people seem to forgive no matter what well, because black people are too forgiving. And what I'm saying is, no, fuck that. Wish death on this person that took your son's I, life. I, I truly feel like if they're evil, they should go. Like, if you're wishing bad, ill on people intentionally, like, if your sole purpose on life is to make someone's life harder you take them out did you see i'm like chess i'm like i'm the white team you're the black team did you see we're taking people out you obviously saw george floyd right that whole video the guy kneeling on george floyd's neck yeah like did you see him breathe he's like i can't breathe i can't breathe exactly so he still fucking died do you do you believe that uh that white guy got that that was justice was served no. Even though he got uh, convicted, justice was served because of all the people that saw that video and was very. Fucking so you upset. feel justice was served? No, I think that it's a that yes or no question. It's a yes or no question. Do you feel justice was served? I think that that had to happen so that everybody in the world could see. No, everyone the, knew. Everyone already knew about racism. No, not Do you everybody. Feel, I'm talking about no that. white people. Did not know oh how it's bad. 2022, okay? No, Everyone I know it's knows. 2022, but everybody knows because of George Floyd. Like, they know what the fuck it is now do- because there's physical evidence that police do this. Like, they didn't know. Yes, they did. No. 2022, they- George Floyd was not the first time <laughs> white people realized that cops murder I can no, give you a million white cases people before. Murder black people all the time since fucking four hundred years you're, ago. You're, you're, but I don't think concentrating that, on the question I'm asking. Do you think that he got justice? I do you think, think that, justice was served when he specifically got specifically conv- at that moment? No, but I think over time. So why do you, that, I think that that had him oh having injustice help other people have justice? 
Justice was not served. You know why? Because he took a life and his life should be taken. I think that there are no mistakes. That's why. Simple as that. I think by the laws of the universe, there that are white no cops, mistakes. That white cops Everything happens for should be reason. murdered in, in prison. No. And justice will be served. Multiple people should be murdered and in prison because they're evil. I just think that it's not just white people. I think every race has well, a duh, person. Yeah. yeah. The, I'm like, of we, course. We don't want to talk about white and black. But I'm just, I'm just giving people you an example. doesn't have a race. There are evil people in this world and they all deserve to die. And that's truly how I feel. It doesn't mm. matter what color they are or whatever the fuck. I think all evil people need to get taken out. All right. Well, let's get off this evil shit. <laughs> Tell me Period. about these books that you wrote during this pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I what talk- are the names of them and what they're what are they about? So one's called um, Positive Healing. The- yeah, it's funny. I went to killing to positive healing. Yeah, positive healing. It's about <laughs> life, health, and relationships. So I basically talk about um, the universal laws. I go into how the power of will. You can't even move your pinker, pinky finger without that power and i think that the power of choice is very important like if people utilize their power of choice that they they could have better lives and i don't think that they realize how powerful they are as individuals and how closely we are to god mm-hmm. and every thought that we think and every emotion that we feel because our emotions are aligned with our thoughts so your emotions and how you feel give you a clue on your thought pattern right so Mm -hmm. we have multiple thoughts a day right there's no way of really modern like monitoring every single thought but your feelings are your like compass on how you're thinking. So if you gauge how you feel, you kind of can gauge the way you're thinking. And if you can train the way you think, your quality of life will get better. And I think that if people start slowly integrating meditation and affirmations into their life, that their quality of life will get better. So because I have a preschool. Is it like some like speak into existence type shit? I, I don't think people realize how powerful they are. And it's, and it is, it's really that simple. Isn't, but do you think everyone is powerful? Yes. Like everyone, everyone can't be a king. Every, ha- everybody can't be what? Every man can't be a king. Like you see all these black, yeah, yeah. You see every all these black guys like, oh, king. I'm a king. I'm a king. No, every, no, 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 no. Every no. man can't be a king, no, and every black woman, made. every black woman can't be a queen. No, no. Queens are born. Kings are made. So queens come from generations of queens. Mm-mm. Kings, queens make them kings. I know because I come from generation and generation of black queens. I know. What oh, yeah. it is to be I, a queen. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm the actual descendant of an actual king in Africa. And kings are born. They're not made. No. You're born into your kingdom. Yeah, but a lot of men don't know they're kings until their queen finds them. But what I'm saying is not everyone can be a king. 
Not everybody can. Everyone's walking around. Oh, I'm a king. I'm a king. No, not no, everyone no. can be. But a king. if they believe that they are, they can be. Okay, that's well, that's how powerful that's wrong. we are. Okay. Some men are kings, and they don't believe they are. And I and because they, they're not kings. Yeah, because they haven't found their queen yet. No, it's just because they're not kings. Or they haven't found that. Place. A king already knows they're a king just by the way they walk, talk. Like the way I know I'm a king. Every every place I every door I walk into. I know I'm the shit. I know the attention's on me. I know I'm the most important motherfucker that walks in and this door. And it's because of why? Because you, you it's your because mindset. that's it's my mindset. It's what's built how, into me. It's lifestyle. Yeah, it's and what, how, how you I grew up, right? How I walk. If you came from royalty, you are naturally royalty. That's just the way that it is. I remember I walked in. I was just I walked into a bar and I was just standing there and it's, and, a, and a dude walked up to me. He was like, "Who are you?" You just look like you are someone important. And I was just standing there. It's about a fucking confidence and the way that you no, carry I, yourself. You, I don't think people, they, everything is about vibration. You give off a vibration. Everything the, from this table to the glass to this alcohol that we're drinking mm-hmm. has a vibration, right? The world around us is vibration. So it's just about the frequency and the energy that you're giving off. If you feel powerful, you're going to give that. Like, just like how you said, when I walk into a room, every head turns. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to do anything. It's just my presence alone demands attention, right? It's That's just how powerful I am. And I can't help it. And it was very hard when, as a young person to get used to it. You know, it was uncomfortable, like mm-hmm. to have every person staring at you. And it was just something one day I was like, this is who I am. I have to embrace it. This is what I am. Right. And I don't think people realize how powerful they are, how powerful their thoughts are. If you think negative things, negative things are going to happen. If you think positive things, positive things are going to happen. If you want mm-hmm. to have a good life, good Good things are going to happen. You're going to attract good people and that you will have that good life. If you think, oh, I'm never going to be somebody. I'm never going to do this. I'm never that fear and all of that will manifest. That's how powerful we are. We are created in his image and his likeness. We are little mini gods walking around. You know what I mean? Mm. That's how God experiences life through us. So the when you wake up in the morning and how you feel and what you smell and breathe and all the, the sensations that you feel, the same, that's how God is creating life around us, everything. Like, I don't real, I don't think people realize what they are and they're just letting life happen to them instead of strategically orchestrating their life that the, that they want. And if they do that, if they start to even try to feel positive, like joy, or just even like, I, I really feel like depressed people and people who are, are in this stuck place. And like, I've, I really noticed during COVID the difference between people, right? Like, because this horrible thing is happening to the world, right? They're like, I can't help this. Like, people are getting sick. This could happen to me. Like, you can completely see the difference between what media and the news and and how it influences people. 
like how covered up they are. They have their gloves on, the mask, they have a hoodie, like they have, they're fully equipped <laughs> to go into the store. And me, I'm like, I completely, I'm like, I'm not going to let this disease affect my life. I, I completely operated normally. I ran my business normally. I didn't wear a mask. I didn't wear, you know, I'm a nurse, so I know how to, you know, protect myself against germs and, you know, the no- I'm already equipped with all the knowledge to protect myself. So I was like, I'm not going to let this. This is not like any other disease. There are multiple diseases in the world. I'm not going to let this other disease like affect my world, yeah. you know? And it was really mind over matter and I'm immune to it, which was mind boggling to me. I literally told myself, I'm not going to let COVID affect my life. And it didn't. So you never caught COVID? I never caught COVID. And my fiance caught it. And I was intimate with him. And I still didn't get it. Mm. So that's why how I know I'm not, I'm immune to it. Because, and multiple friends. Multiple friends had it. I shared. Are you vaccinated? I'm not vaccinated. Okay. I'm totally (laughs) (laughs) anti-COVID. I'm like, why do I need to get vaccinated if I'm immune to it? Mm. That's just my personal. Like, if it's not affecting me and I can't get it, Mm. why do I need to put something that's going to make me sick into my body? I mean, and I studied vaccines as a nurse. You're putting COVID into your body so that you can build antibodies against it. So why would I do that? Mm-hmm. What is the point if I'm immune? Well, each is on, yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion, right? You could do whatever you want to your body. This of is course. my body. Yes. Right? And I feel like I don't want it to affect my world. Mm-hmm. And I and it hasn't. And I really think it's mind over matter. I really feel like I am I make the difference. I make this world better. I am the difference. And I feel like if there were more people, that's why this world is this, because of people like me. It's not because of the people that are bad or who wish ill on others. Life happens through love. Love is all there is. And if you spread more joy and happiness and love, then all the disease would disappear. There's disease because people have ill intent. They want they feel sick. They want bad things to happen. Stress causes illness. And I don't really think, I feel like if you ate, eat healthy and you exercise and you love. Like you're not a fat ass motherfucker. You wouldn't die from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> say that. I'm just saying if you, if you had a, all the aspects of your life, it was healthy, then you'd, and it was well-rounded, you would be healthy. I think people don't realize all the aspects of their life and they don't realize they need hugs for their mom or they need to talk to an old friend that they haven't talked to in a long time or they need to move their body. You know what I mean? You don't have to lift 100 pounds every day. You could just take a walk around the block, you know, yeah. like just move your, get out of the bed, you know, and do the things that you naturally feel good to you. You are, you will be more, you know, healthier and happier. I feel like I, God put me here to just help people 
you know, find their way, like find their purpose. Because everybody has a purpose. There's like, it doesn't matter what you look like, how fat, skinny, whatever. Everybody has something. Everybody has a talent. Mm-hmm. Or you wouldn't be here. Yeah. Everyone is here for a reason. Yeah. Even like disabled or whatever. Like they're here for a reason. They're, they're here to help or love or show us what, how we are, what we should be grateful for. Like, I don't really think that people realize what they have and how talented they are. Like, everybody is creative for a reason. There are no mistakes. So I just feel like if people realized or went for what they're passionate about instead of what they feel like they have to do because we create, you know, like, our society created a system and it, and it basically modernized slavery, right? Mm-hmm. You feel good about going to this job day in, day out that you don't like, that you're getting paid, what, $15 an hour for to do shit for somebody else's dream. And it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you feel good about working $15 an hour for somebody else? Like, I don't understand that. I think that if people really just figured out what they're good at and what they love, then because you want the Michael Jordans playing basketball, you want the best surgeons performing surgery, you want the best artists making art, if you want the best chefs cooking for us, you know, every day would be a feast, Mm. every day would be a party, every there would be no homelessness. You know, like it would be a heaven on earth if everybody just focused on their passion instead of I need to make money to pay the bills, to do this for shit that I don't need or clothes that I don't need or, you know. But. Um. Yeah, you need a podcast. That's what you need. <laughs> you need a podcast. <laughs> but uh, tell the people where they can find you. Give them your social medias. Right now, um, your business, Ms. whatever. Dot fuck you Rosie wanna. Mitchell or MissRosie.Mitchell.com. Uh, my email address is Rosie's Preschool at gmail.com. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. Well, Rosie, this was, this was enlightening. This is very special. I very, I appreciate you coming on. I believe in you. Um, Thank you. I need. I just need one person to stand up and dance. <laughs> you are gorgeous, but your gorgeousness doesn't compare to your intelligence, and that's the reason why I brought you on, so the world can see. Um, yeah. So everyone, follow her. Like, hit her up. If you have fucking kids, take your kids to a big. <laughs> <laughs> and any last words, Rosie? God bless. Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and we are out. You.